Boom. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Duo podcast with myself, Nolsey, and no Jaxi today. It is just myself. So unfortunately, we won't be getting any random facts for you today. I was only watching a game with Jaxi last weekend, and we were just watching it casually, and he says to me, do you know Dan Byrne only has three fingers and one hand? So unfortunately, we won't be getting any of that in-depth football knowledge today, but he will be back for our Tuesday episode, which I will talk about throughout the episode. In today's episode, we are going to look at new transfers into the league. All the players that have been transferred over the last couple of weeks, and especially up to the deadline day, that might help improve your team. Some leagues implement a ban on wavering in players that have just been signed into the Premier League, so that they wait until all the players have been in the league, the transfer window is closed, and then you can trade. So this week's waivers is absolutely massive for some leagues. Personally, we don't do that in our league. It's a, it's actually a great way because early on in the draft, you don't get too much advantage of losing the first game. I know you mightn't think it, but some people might intentionally lose the first game because they see a massive player come into the league and they want to have first pick at them. But hopefully that didn't happen in your league and we are going to hit the waivers this week with loads of new options. On Tuesday's episode, we're going to look at more in-depth waivers not waivers that have been traded in or transferred in this is going to cover that so on tuesday episode we're going to go back to a normal episode where we talk about if you're in a 12-man league or eight-man league whatever it is and you have been transferring and wavering as normal but if you haven't this is for you i'm going to go through each position goalkeepers defenders midfielders and strikers and talk about the players that you could pick up to improve your team The ranking of these players is going to be very important for you, so getting a good, clear understanding of which players you want is very important. I have to reiterate that the most important thing in terms of putting down your preferred player is your team. I will be talking about players throughout the podcast, but if you are in desperate need of a striker, well then that is your priority. We are going to rank them in order in each position, but I'm not going to rank them against each other because that ranking is down to your team. We have mentioned it before, and actually, as I said, there is a podcast by Draft FC where they talk about value-based trading. And if we use that concept and apply it to this, it's the same thing. You want to pick, and this goes for waivers every week, you want to pick the player that is going to reap you the most rewards compared to the player that you waver out. So there's no point wavering out a decent player for a good player if your gain is only going to be 10 points over five games this is just for example whereas you could waver out a very poor player for an average player and you might actually gain more points over that transaction so although you might think well i'm not going for the best player here sometimes that could be the best pick so let's say for instance my first pick this week even though there's a good few of these still available on mine, is going to be a defender because I feel that I'm going to gain more points by upgrading my defender rather than improving my midfield. So always keep that in mind that how you order these is down to your team and down to your preference. With that being said, we are going to continue on and talk about every position and all the, not all the new transfers, but all the transfers that I think can make an impact in FPL, especially in the draft. As we know, there's a lot more players that can help us in the draft. So our list is 
it's fairly decent. There's options in, in every position and hopefully you are in a position to pick one or two, maybe even three of them up on this week's waiver. Especially if people aren't keeping up to date with the waivers and maybe miss some of these new transfers. So I'm going to break it down into two main sections for each position. The new keepers that if you've had a transfer ban on new players that will be available and then new transfers to that team or to any team for that matter. So we're going to start with keepers and you will get the idea. Two main new additions to keepers are unfortunately two average teams. Well, two pretty shit teams. We have Tim Krul. Tim Krul is back in the Premier League. He assigned from Norwich where he played for many years. And although we know Tim Krul is a, a top quality keeper, a great penalty um, stopper. He was essentially dropped last season for Norwich. He lost his place to Angus Gunn. He played 16 games and started the season and then was rotated a small bit throughout the season, but ultimately lost his place. Sold to Luton in the Premier League. Luton will be looking at it as a very good backup keeper, but also can challenge Kaminsky for his spot. So although he didn't start the first game, I think if there is any slight injury any mistakes from Kaminsky, they will know that they have a good keeper in Krul. So we'll have to monitor him and see does he get to start the next day. I, don't, I think if he doesn't start in game week five, well then he's going to be kept as a backup keeper until we see maybe Luton concede even more goals. I know they haven't been great initially, but until they become very bad or there's very obvious mistakes. So Krul is one to keep an eye on. It's nice to have another option that might play. So, yeah, one more keeper. The other one is Odyssey Velo... <laughs> I'm going to butcher this. Velodimus. Signed from Benfica. He's been at Benfica for five years. He has been Benfica's number one keeper. Stalwart. So, signed for Norwich. He is going to expect to be the number one. I know they just signed Matt Turner and he has played the first four games and played decent enough, I still think that he's going to be dropped. So Odyssey is going to come in for Nottingham Forest. In recent games, they haven't been as bad as we thought. They actually bet Chelsea. They kept a clean sheet, which is insane. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to keep a clean sheet every week, but they're not a bad side. So he is a very good option to have as a second keeper um, or as a rotating keeper if you are implementing that strategy. Always good to have more keepers, as we said in our drafting strategy, I think it was. Keepers will come and go throughout the season, and it's great to see because you're never under too much pressure unless you double down and something goes wrong. Let's say you have two keepers from the same club and, and one is sold, for instance, and one gets injured, you have an issue. But usually you have one starting keeper, so it's, it's always good to have a possible second keeper there that if you need to rotate or there's an injury, you have one. In terms of new transfers, Henderson has signed for Palace. So although Johnson started the first four games, um, I think Henderson will go there expecting to get a, a chance at least. And I think that's the thing with a lot of new keepers where you cannot separate one from the other. They get a chance and if they do well, they keep their spot. Confidence is so important in a keeper. And when you have a good game, you usually have another good game. When you have a bad game, it's usually followed by another poor game. So I think it's it's smart for teams to have two decent keepers and whatever's on form, whichever one is on form, to play. 
So I think that's going to be the case with Henderson and with Johnson. Two decent keepers, not much to separate them. It depends who's on form. In terms of another team, we have Trafford for Burnley. Big money move from Man City. That's what they seem to be doing with a lot of their young players. They, they're not holding on to them and taking a chance. They are just cashing in. So I think it was 23 million. I don't know if that was euros, actually. I saw it on Transfer Market. So 23 million euros, I think it was, for Trafford. And he is Burnley's starting keeper. Again, Burnley have conceded a good few goals, but they're not as bad as we thought at the start of the season. Defensively, I still wouldn't be cashing in on them. Now, the only bonus for Trafford is that they have that double game week in game week seven. So if you have um, another poor keeper on the bench that you're happy to get rid of, Trafford mightn't be a bad shout. If you really want to double down for game week seven and you think Burnley might actually improve a small bit, they're, they're actually a good football inside. And that's going to be their downfall in terms of clean sheets. They like to play out of the back and they will probably get caught once or twice. He's a good keeper. Double game week, start keeper. So if he's available in your league, he mightn't be a bad shout. Obviously, we have Sanchez that moved to Chelsea. I'm going to presume that that Sanchez was picked up in the draft night because he would have been in the game for Brighton that he would be in your teams. Obviously, if I was ranking these, I'd have Sanchez number one. Although Chelsea aren't rock solid at the back, he is the best trade value. I will talk about trade value, especially when it comes to midfielders. If it's very hard to decide between two players, I like to bring trade value into it because other people's perception of the players, I always talk about it. Other people's perception of the players is important because if I'm trying to trade Sanchez for another keeper and I don't think there's that much in Sanchez and another keeper, if they value him higher, I might be able to get a better player, a better midfielder for him. So obviously I'd have um, Sanchez number one. I would probably have Henderson number two. Odyssey number three, Trafford four, and then Krul obviously not starting yet, number five. That could be interchangeable. Trafford might go up in the ranks a small bit if you think he's going to um, do well in that double game week and you don't think Henderson is going to play. Four or five good options there for keepers, depends on how your league's set up. Hopefully you can improve in that area. On to defenders. There is a few good defenders and I have I think five down here and they're all top quality for good enough teams which is very exciting. The first player I have down here is Van de Ven. Brought in from Wolfsburg to Spurs. He's had a great start to the season. He's already got two clean sheets. In his next five games, in his next six games actually, he plays Sheffield. Two tough ones in Arsenal and Liverpool, but then Luton, Fulham and Palace. So he has four very good fixtures in the next six. He looks like a good side, or looks like a good player in a good side, and nailed down. So Van de Ven is top of my list. You're probably thinking Guardiola for City should be up there, and it's very, very hard to pick between the two of them. I suppose that, that again comes down to personal preference. I don't like having City defenders because they seem fantastic on paper and then they don't start and don't play a minute. In one draft, I have two City defenders and I look at it every week being like, lovely, I'll get two clean sheets. And first of all, I might even get a clean sheet. And second of all, only one of them will play. So he's only played, he started the two games. I still think he's going to play most games for City. 
But you have to look at it in terms of like, let's say your average points. If Van de Ven plays every game and gets an odd clean sheet here or there, he might actually score more points per game than Guardiol because he might be benched two games in a row for just a random reason. Obviously, City are in Europe, so that's going to play into it. So in the draft, Van de Ven, I'd probably quote a bit higher, but that's up for discussion. Two of them are very, very good options to bring in. Again, depends on your league and when you did this draft, but Pau Torres might be available if you did it very early. Pau Torres will be playing for Villa now that we have Ming's injury. Villa have been playing five at the back and Torres seems like a good option. As a term of age, I see uh, that Villa have signed Longley as well. So at Spurs last season, they've signed him. He didn't play in the recent game instead of going five at the back he went four at the back now i think this was because longley had only signed a couple of days before and didn't want to throw him into a new system but the thing with longley is that if he does get in at a back five of villa villa have a very very good run of fixtures they play palace chelsea and brighton which are three relatively tough fixtures but then the next five games in a row are rated a two on the fixture difficulty rating system. So you get the likes of Torres or Longley, they're gonna be nice holes for after them three games, five games in a row, you can start them and probably not have to worry about it and take your chance at a clean sheet. Disassi was bought from Monaco for Chelsea for 30 million. He's had a good start to the season, picked up a couple of clean sheets, Chelsea have been playing five at the back, and he's been one of them. They have some very good fixtures. They have Bournemouth, Villa, Fulham, and Burnley. But although we were going mad, mad, mad about Chelsea's fixtures, after them four, we're kind of coming to the end of that. They have seven very tough fixtures. Arsenal, Spurs, City, Newcastle, Brighton, United. It's not in that order, but they play all six of them teams. Arsenal, Spurs, City, Newcastle, Brighton, and United. I don't know if I should have United in there as a tough fixture anymore, but anyways. So, although he's in a good team, there is a couple of question marks over him because if they go to a four at the back, will he get the nod? I'd presume so. But now they have to decide between Colwell, Thiago Silva and Sassi. So Colwell's playing very well. Thiago Silva is the captain. Are they going to rotate it? Very good pickup and will have high trade value. We have seen Sassi traded for Trent in one of our leagues, which is mental. High trade value, played for Chelsea, and we still have this idea that they're very good fixtures in. So maybe if you want to pick him up, start him, trade him, he'll be a good addition to your team based on your backline. Another good option is a player I like and I've owned in FPL before and has done me very well, Kistagne. He has signed for Fulham. He's an attacking right back, played for Leicester last season. Did pretty well for a poor Leicester side he got two goals and three assists, and we do know he likes to get forward. If you look at his heat map, plays nearly as a right winger sometimes. So he could be a good option for Fulham. Fulham are not good at the back this season. They've conceded, I think, the most goals. They've conceded the most shots. So they're they're very poor at the back. You're going to be relying on attacking returns from Castagna. Now they have some very good fixtures coming up they have uh, Luton and Sheffield but they're the only kind of fixtures you're going to be looking at towards Fulham for a clean sheet 
eight out of ten games, they're probably going to concede. So if you want Castagne as a little option as a, a an attacking wing back, yeah, he's there. I wouldn't be putting him obviously ahead of any of these players that will have very good trade value and a, a lot higher possibility of a clean sheet. So if I had to order them just on nailness, probability of clean sheet, and trade value, I suppose there are three things that I'm going to look at is Van de Ven, number one, Guardiol, number two, De Sassi, number three, Pau Torres, no, I put Castagne and then Longley because the minutes for Castagne, or sorry, Longley, are not nailed yet. So until a lot of these players have played and we know that they're going to be the person in that position, I would be hesitant. This is where you can get gems. If you pick up a player before they go off or before you know they're definitely going to start, well, then you could get them a small bit earlier in the waiver. So it is tough to get your head around who is better than the next person when new players come into the league. When we have people like Castagne, which we probably think he's going to start right back for Fulham, and we know what he's like, it's a small bit easier. If we look at the likes of our midfielders, exactly what I'm going to talk about, it's going to be so hard to differentiate between one and another because they played in different leagues, we don't know if they're going to play and we don't know how good they're going to be in the Premier League. So that brings us on to our midfielders. If we look at all the things that I'm going to focus on to help me decide what order I'm going to put players, we can look at their output, their nailness, how likely is it that they're going to play the majority of the games for their team. We don't want players that are going to be rotated all the time because, as I said, and we had this discussion over the weekend, myself and Jaxie, about who would you rather want? Players that will just go off in bursts or consistent players? And in the draft, for me personally, I'd like consistent points because we don't know what the fixtures are going to be like. It's great when someone goes off and they win a game, but we said it before, a lot of the time when they go off, you're probably going to win already. So if you have a nice base of players that will consistently get points accumulatively, you have a fantastic chance at winning each game. So James Ward-Prowse has already been returning for West Ham this season. We know what he's like with free kicks and dead balls. West Ham are a physical big side that will want to use this to their best advantage. I'd probably put him number one because people will want him. We know he's going to play every day. And we know he's a high probability of returning. He's on pins, he's on free kicks, he's on corners. Well, I think he's on pins anyways. I presume if West Ham get a penalty that he'll step up. So for that reason, we're going to put him number one. In the middle section of our midfielders, it's extremely hard to differentiate between three particular players. And I think that's been, that's been the challenge for a lot of people this waiver. Who do you pick? Kudos, Doku or Fatty? Three very, very exciting players and fantastic to have three such good players in the league and ha have them as options for FPL. If we break it down and use the same criteria to help you kind of make it clearer in, in your head who you might want, we look at their output, their average minutes and how nailed they are. And then finally, which I think might make a decision, if, you, if after all them you can't make a decision, their trade value. Maybe I overemphasize this, but I like to trade. So if I think a player is going to have a higher trade value than um, someone might think, I would like to go for them and maybe get a trade over the line. If there's no difference between them, well, that might be the only deciding factor. 
If we look at the three players' output last season, Kudos had 11 goals and 3 assists, which was a pretty decent return. 19 games he started as far as I'm aware, and he averaged around 61 minutes per game, which again is a rotation role, so he's had a very good output. Now he's playing over in Holland. How does that compare to the Premier League? That's also a factor that we have to take into account when we, when we look at these new players. Where are they coming from? We always say, oh, it's going to be hard in the Premier League. So are they going to replicate that? Kudos is a very rounded player. He can play in many different positions. And when we look at that West Ham team, they have one or two positions up for, for grabs, but there's a lot of them that are nailed. Paqueta and Bowen, Antonio's playing well, but Kudos might have a chance of playing up top. Ben Rama is rotated on the left, so would he play left and maybe Bowen play right, or they swap? There is a chance for Kudos to come become a nailed player in that West Ham side. Now, all three of these teams have Europe, so West Ham have Europe. Is that going to play into Kudos' minutes? I think out of the three, I think he could be the most nailed. If we look at Doku, and compare him to, to Kudos. He had six goals and two assists last season. Now he only averaged 44 minutes a game. So again, another big rotation role, but still getting some output from a relatively short time on the pitch. Doku plays for City, Pep Roulette. We know the crack. The only advantage Doku has right now, currently at the time of recording, is that Jack Grealish picked up a small thigh injury on international break. Now I don't think that's going to be a massive factor over the course of the season but in the short term it might be Doku was a very very exciting player and he looked decent in his cameo last week played 75 minutes and he looked very energetic now the only problem I have with Doku and it's it's kind of sad it's the same as Jack Grealish when Grealish played for Villa he was really exciting could do what he wants electric attack players and when he came to City he kind of was moulded into a particular role by Pep where he just does the, the simple things and plays as a team, plays tactically. And that's how Pep's, Pep wins. But I'd be afraid that Pep will do the same thing with Doku. When I watched him play the last day, he was very electric. And I'm like, Pep won't like that. If he starts losing the ball or starts going out of position, Pep will rotate him. So that's one of my red flags I'd have against Doku. It's a positive that he plays so freely and stuff, but with Pep, will he try and mould him and kind of ease him into the team and trying to get his understanding of what he's trying to do over a period of time? I probably think so. Our third player in this trio is Ansu Fati. Mad to think that he has just signed for Brighton. A wonder kid for Barcelona has been left out of the side this season, can't get into it. Last season, he had a bit of a rotation role as well. Seven goals, three assists, averaged 39 minutes. So he had the lowest average time of these three players. Now, obviously, the reason that he's come to Brighton is to get more minutes. Still a very decent output. We know he's a quality player. We know, we've probably seen more of Fatty than the other two players. I remember watching Doku for Belgium, and I thought he was phenomenal. Um, so we have limited information on on. Kudos and Doku, probably a bit more on Fatty. Surprising that Barca let him go. Obviously, they think that he's surplus this season, but this could be the place for him to reignite his career. Brighton, we know, are a fantastic club. 
the issue I'd have with Fatty, and although I think he could be the best pick here, Brighton like to rotate. They have been rotating already this season. They have some very, very good options up top. In terms of nailness, if we had to rank them, I'd say Kudos number one, Fatty probably number two, possibly Joku number three. That's in the long term. So if we had to look at their output, number one is Kudos, but that was in Holland. If we had to look at their minutes, it was kudos. If we had to look at the nailness, it's kudos. And I suppose I'm actually just saying this out loud and it's kind of making my mind up in a way. So I'd probably go kudos number two after James Ward-Prowse. I would then go fatty because I think if he gets into that Brighton side, it'll be hard to leave him out. I think it's easier to leave Doku out of that City team than it is to leave Fatty out of that Brighton team. So although I have Doku and I really want him to do well, I think he will play a good bit of time in the next couple of games and then we might see a bit of rotation. We also see might see the other two be eased in. I would probably go that ranking, unfortunately, because <laughs> I want to go the other two because they're, they seem more exciting. The last thing that we have to look at, I suppose, is their trade value. And that comes down to your opinion. I think kudos for West Ham is probably the lowest trade value because he plays for West Ham and although they've been good this season, they're probably not the most attacking side. Doku, the reason his trade value isn't as high as it should be is because people will know he gets rotated. Now, if it happens that Doku is the main left winger for City, his trade value is going to be the highest of the lot of them. But currently, I would say Fatty, most people will want Fatty. If he plays and starts for Brighton and, and consistently plays, I think that's the pick in terms of trade value. So if you look at these three and you have the option, I don't want to be looking too far ahead, but if you're looking at trading, Fatty probably the easiest trade, Doku and then Kudos. But trading doesn't win your game, so I'd probably go who you think is going to score the most points over the next five or ten game weeks and then think about your trades. So that's our first four. James Ward-Prowse, Kudos, Fatty and Doku. Now on to a couple of other players um, that have honourable mentions, I suppose. Johnson signed for Spurs. Now he can play up top and he can play on the right wing. If he plays up top, he's a better pick than you think. Problem with that is Son just banged a hat-trick. Son will probably stay up top and will probably be forced to keep him up top unless Johnson plays very, very well. So Johnson... Could be a nice pickup again. Spurs player might have more trade value. Not a bad little waiver in if you had space in your midfield. Callum Hudson Odoi signed for Forest. Forest have just signed too many players. He could be a good player if he gets started um, and plays consistently. But until I see him playing and I, until I see Forest side, I can't really say because they have signed like 50 players this season. So who's to say that he's just not left on the bench? I presume they sign him to play him. I think he's well good enough to play on that far side. They like to play five at the back with wing backs, and he has played there for Chelsea. So he could be a good addition. Problem with that is if he does play as a wing back, well, he is not the best asset in terms of returning. You'd prefer a defender playing wing back than a midfielder. So maybe one to monitor if Forrest have a good, decent fixture and he's playing all the time could be a nice waiver in Palmer has signed for Chelsea now I know he was already in the game but yeah could be a waiver in this week 
Chelsea again have a huge amount of players in their squad and it's hard to nail down a position but if he gets in there he could be a very good pick in terms of trade value if I was looking at Palmer and I see him getting two or three starts for Chelsea I'd probably be looking at trading him because I think inevitably there will be rotation there the last one and probably the most exciting apart from Johnson maybe is Sinistera who has signed for Bournemouth from Leeds good player good winger that Bournemouth side isn't looking as bad as I thought it would with the like of Clivert, Semenyo, Billing, Solanke. And although I think they've played okay this season, I think Billing or Clivert, their spot could be up for grabs. More than likely Clivert. Sinisera got five goals last season in the Premier League, so he's an attacking, explosive player. And I think he will think that he is well good enough to be starting for Bournemouth. I think that's the reason why they bought him to to improve their team fairly rapidly. So I'd probably be looking at Johnson and Sinistera if you have a spot in your midfield and you don't get one of these top players, but you still need a new midfielder for, let's say, um, a, a player that's not playing or is injured. So seven options there, I think. Again, my ranking I would probably go, and I don't like ranking these players because it's so hard to predict. And it's kind of like predicting the top four in the Premier League. It changes so quickly and it's very hard to get right. So, James Ward-Prowse, number one. Kudos, Fatty, and Doku. And then with our best of the rest, probably Sinistera or Johnson. Toss up there. Palmer and Hudson-Odoi. And finally, our strikers. We don't have much to talk about here. A lot of strikers are picked up and there was a very few strikers signed. The three main ones I have here are Hoyland, Beto and Archer. I think it's fairly simple there. I think you go Hoyland number one if you're looking for a striker and you want to put them in order. He plays for United. We still don't know exactly what he's like. A bit of raw talent but if he's playing up top for United he's going to have the highest trade value. He's going to be easily transferred if you don't think he's cutting the mustard. He's going to be a lot better than the other two, which are Beto and Archer. Decent pickups as a striker in their own right. Archer, a very good start for Sheffield. Before the weekend, I would have said Beto over Archer, but just because he got that goal and an assist, that confidence could play into it. Only issue is he plays for Sheffield. Only issue with Beto is he plays for Everton. So I think it's a bit of a toss-up. In terms of trade value, I think somehow, in my head, Beto will have higher trade value throughout the season just because Archer plays for Sheffield, and I think inevitably Everton will get going and start scoring goals. Whether he'll score them or not is the question. DCL does not have to get in, uh, surgery for the injury, so well, I'm not going to say DCL will be back because he's going to get injured straight away, isn't he? Archer, probably second for me, and then Beto. But all good picks up top if you're lacking a striker. I'm sure there is a space up top for one of these if you're in like a 12-man league. Or anything over that one of these is going to be like gold dust but i think the overall idea is to try and improve your squad per position not per player if you're trying to go for the top player here and you don't get them and you're not thinking about improving like let's say i've seen a couple of newcastle defenders on the waiver if you're not targeting them before a striker if you have three playing strikers well then you're probably not going to maximize your points there's no point trying to get an archer in for a Solanke just to get him in 
if you have an injured defender. I think that's standard. I think a lot of people understand that. But if you kind of look at it from that perspective and that concept where you're trying to improve per position and trying to maximize the points over, let's say, the course of, I always say, five game weeks, you're probably going to fare out better. Sometimes it mightn't be more exciting, but there is some fantastic picks in there defenders, midfielders, and attackers that are really, really going to spruce up the league and spruce up your team. So hopefully you get two, three, four of these players. If you got two or three of them, it'd be a massive boost to your squad. Make sure you are looking at the rank of your waivers. Sometimes you can get caught out in that and get it mixed up. So make sure your clear waivers, you have them down based on what your team needs and then at the end of the day, your preference. So a lot of information disseminated there. A lot to think about. We will be back on Tuesday with our normal episode. It might make all of your doubts a bit clearer in your head. Tuesday's episode is going to be as usual. We're going to be giving our trade suggestions or waivers. And that's going to be specifically for this up, up and coming game week. So tune in for Tuesday to get another update. Things might be different. There could be injuries. International break is occurring. So there might be a couple of differences from now until then. But until then, draft duo out.